Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals all right, Katie, I'm going to talk about WeShape, right? Yeah, I'm excited. So take us through WeShape and kind of the origin story of this and why it's so important. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it justice if I didn't give context. So I've been in the health and fitness industry for 20 years. Um, I ran a number of successful digital fitness companies. Um, two in particular made the Inc. 500 three times in a row, um, had sort of everything I thought I wanted. And I still didn't have fulfillment. And I really sat with that for a while and started going, what is it about this that isn't feel that doesn't feel just right? And I discovered that, you know, I was asleep at the wheel in some areas of my life, in particular in the space that I was in, right? So anytime we're part of a system and we don't have awareness of that system, we're constantly just validating that system that we're a part of. And so it wasn't until I paused to really take in some curiosity and question what I was doing. And I discovered that I was selling products that I didn't feel really proud of. It was products that were really targeted. It had good intention. I was trying to get people to move their body, yeah. but it was with the outcome of having a toned, leaned six pack. And I was like, this just doesn't feel good to me. And it was hard to like sit in that because the world around me told me that's what everybody wants. So that's okay that you're trying to give that to them. But I just couldn't do it anymore. So I decided to stop doing that. And uh, my partner and I started developing a product that was all about movement and getting people to feel better in their body. So we we spent two years building a, a really technology-driven customized product that people could interact with and like get proper movement for their body. Um, and when I went to launch the product, a lot of people in my in my space were like, oh, we're so sorry. Uh, good luck. Uh, you won't be able to sell a feeling like people just want you to promise mm. them body transformation. And if you can't do that, you know, it's not really how we market in the fitness industry. And I said, OK, I'm going to do it anyway, <laughs> because I just I can't be a part of the system anymore that says that there's one body type. And that there's a number on the scale that if you finally achieve that number through my product, you will feel better about yourself. You will feel worthy about yourself. I decided to turn that upside down and say, actually, WeShape is going to offer you radical self-acceptance or help you get radical radical self-acceptance. And, and the weight and all the other things that come from using our product are sort of an afterthought. It's not the core function behind what we're doing. So let's jump back a little bit. I mean, this is fascinating. We've both been in the business a long time, two decades plus. What is perpetuating? What do you think are the primary causes that are perpetuating this ideal body, like so-and-so called ideal body shape or the, the aesthetic no notion? Is it the human condition? Is it marketing? What, what did you see that made you feel so bad about it? Oh, that's a, that's a heavy question because I don't think it's just one thing. Um, I think that human beings are inherently trying to find value and worth and validation. Mm. And one of those modalities in our, in our, in our society has been through our physical appearance. I don't know if that's innate. I don't know if that's conditioned. It's sort of like that, that 
that classic psychological debate of nature versus nurture. I, I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that any time I would bring people into my fitness community and they would even achieve their goal, I would notice this thing that I call fake fulfillment. It was like mm -hmm. they were happy for a little bit of time, but it never really lasted. And then even in my own personal journey, I noticed that like I was doing the right thing, but I became neurotic and obsessive and I was actually robbing from other parts of my life because I was so obsessed with eating a certain thing or making sure I was doing everything everyone told me to do with my body. So I think there, there, there may be like a human condition part of it, but I think a lot of it is the, the, the construct that we're a part of that says, if you do this, you will get validation. And I think that the fitness industry makes a lot of money off of that. Yes. So I, we can't not talk about that. I mean, We're I was very successful in those companies, right? And I, I had the, the success to show it, and and it and it didn't. I didn't really feel like I was helping anybody at the end of the day. And if I did, I felt like it was really short term. Like, what's the biggest problem in a fitness company? Churn. People don't stay. And so I started asking myself that, like, why don't people stay? We actually conducted a survey amongst our old community. I think we did over. 30 or 40,000 people answered this survey. And we basically said like, what is it that made you not buy our product? So these are people who came into our, into our community, but never bought. Um, I don't feel motivated and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I want to, I want to touch on that motivation because I think that in this industry or in our, in our, in our culture, we're like, Oh, you couldn't do it. You're, you don't know how to motivate yourself. And, and the funny thing is I joke a lot about how I was in the fitness industry for, I've been in it for over 20 years, actually started enjoying movement about two or three years ago. The first 17 years, I hated it. I'm like, isn't that so funny that I'm preaching this, I'm building these products, I'm selling these products, but I actually hate exercise. And I realized it was because I wasn't doing the exercise for the right reasons. I was chasing this thing outside of myself. I wasn't actually allowing an internal drive to be the reason why I was doing it. And that's how fitness companies make money because we've bought into the belief that if we're a number on a scale, we will feel happy. And it's simply just not true. Let's talk about the fitness industry. I mean, this, this is a powerful conversation. And um, in, in my assessment, you know, it's fitness, health, and wellness at large, billion dollar plus industry that's actually failing. The, the people that it's supposed to serve yeah. for that, which is, in, which is incredible. It's like, you think, Oh, make all this money. People should be getting all these incredible results. So we know statistically, observationally massive failure. Why is this model still perpetuated in our society? Because there's a lot of money to be had. And because we see people around us on social media that look perfect. They look happy. And so it's perpetuating that that narrative is true. But when you really break it down, it's absolutely not. In fact, I will go to say, regardless of what your body type is or what the number on the scale says, if you don't feel worthy as you are today, I can promise you, you will not feel worthy once you get into those genes. It's not going to happen. It's not. Totally. I actually would tell a lot of, I told a lot of clients this early in my career and I continue to say it like you're exercising to look a certain way. You're never going to be happy with that. No matter how high of a level you think you achieve, you'll still not be happy with it. Like it cannot and, be your main reason. You know? And it's, 
it's hard because we're inundated with the opposite message. Yes. And so it's, to me, it's about how do we calibrate those, those volume control dials, right? It's like, I'm, and, and one of the simple things I tell people is if you are on social media and you are following someone who makes you feel like shit about yourself, unsubscribe. unsubscribe. Like it's just not even worth your time because the things that you subjectify yourself on a daily basis, rather it be influencers or people in your life, if those people aren't bringing you alignment to self, you gotta, you gotta pick a different crowd to follow because it's just, you're going to be fighting that battle. It's so much harder. You know what I mean? You're going to just be fighting that battle all the time. Is there ever a scenario where you could see, you know, kind of your larger fitness corporation companies not having this model? Could you ever see a point where that's the case? <laughs> Look at your face. I, Look at your I, face, Katie. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person who lives in constant hope and constant disappointment for the human experience. So <laughs> It depends on the day that you asked me that question. Okay. What about today? Um, <laughs> I actually do have hope. I do. And here's why. So one of the things is my partner and I have self-funded this company, but you get to a point in business where you actually have to have outside investors. And so we've been in a seed round of funding and we, we've been met with a lot of, hmm, I don't know about this. And I told my partner yesterday, whew, thank God. He said, what? I said, thank God that we're putting this product out there in this community out there. And the, the consumer is like, yes, thank you. If the investor was saying yes, and the consumer was saying, no, we, I have a bigger problem. The fact that I'm putting this product out there in this community out there and the feedback that I get is thank you for this work. I used to hate myself. Um, I used to not be able to get out of bed in the morning. I can't believe that I spent my, the first 70 years of my life feeling like I wasn't worth it unless I was a number on a scale, thank you, I'd have a much bigger problem. But people are ready for this. And that's why I said, just because not everybody's doing it doesn't mean that we're not, we, we can't go in that direction. In fact, anyone who's come into my community, oh my God, they they feel like I've like given them, like I just took like a thousand pounds off, no pun intended, off of their shoulders. Because I'm I'm like, forget about the weight. Why don't I just release you of the energetic expectation that in order for you to feel value, you have to be a number on the scale. And like, that's the thing is like when you have traditional products, you go in with the goal of looking a certain way. And if you're in that community and you don't meet that goal, you in immediately feel shame and like, I can't be a part of this community. And I'm like, we have it backwards. <laughs> we need to offer acceptance and kindness and gratitude for the people on our fitness products and regardless of their outcome. So I do feel hope because you know what? When I when people find out about We Shape and they join our community, I see the relief. And to be honest with you, I rather give somebody huge energetic relief of that pressure and expectation than any number on the scale. If I do that alone, my job is done. So, you know, when you have investors who are like, mm, I don't know, what's the education piece to potentially flip that mindset? Uh, for people who are like, listen, I want to financially support this, but hey, I'm used to like the normal marketing element to this and how we cater to the population. You know, I have to deal with this weekly because we're in the middle of uh, of pitches and, and and getting the investors to get on board. And um, I think this week, <laughs> my solution to that 
is I got, I need to bring testimonials of the people who are in our community because here's the funny thing too. I laugh. And the thing is, I wish I had more time because I could provide them long-term data, but um, that's the funny thing about startup is you're always on the cliff, right? So what's interesting is we have this model in the fitness industry that I'll sell them this product, I'll get them in, but we kind of know that they're going to leave quickly, right? Whether that be three months, four months. Yeah. I actually believe that this model will inherently be a better business model too. Because if I can get people in and have them connecting with community, which we have all these community calls and support networks, I can get them using my product as a means of like self-care and, and, and an act of kindness for their body. I wonder which person's going to stay longer in that community. I wonder what those retention metrics are going to look like. So I just haven't had enough time, but my hope is that I will get some time under my belt and I will get more people in my community and then I can show the investor, okay, you want the data piece? Here's the data piece. Look at my retention yeah. metrics. Right. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing to think about because most of the business model is the churn model. It's like, okay, so you're relying on the fact that not only are you churning through, let's say, members and gyms, but you're also churning through professionals working there constantly as well. Maybe make both of those people feel more validated and worthy and they'll stay longer. They're just so used to this churn, turn and churn model. It's like it's become a silo mentality for business, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I'm kind of in, I'm kind of in the place now where I tell my team all the time, um, we're not a streaming service. I'm not asking people to sit down and watch a TV show. We're asking people to show up for themselves. And that is difficult. And so we have to provide more than just the product, right? I'm, I'm really proud of our product. It took us two years to build it. It's rooted in exercise science and biomechanics and sca infinite scalability. It's kind of like we've brought this kind of once reserved customization that was only for people who could afford personal trainers to a model that anyone can access. So I feel really proud of that. But it's also more than that. It's also about finding community. It's also about bringing people together. It's also about breaking down belief systems this is why I have a, a, a We Shake podcast. It's like, yep. there's so much, it's a loaded, like once you go down the path of wellness for yourself, it opens up a lot of other things. So our company has to include those things. Like it, it just doesn't make sense otherwise. No, it makes sense. You know what? Podcasts have almost become companion pieces to everything. Yeah. In business, right? Even if you watch... Let's say I've been watching The Last of Us on HBO Max, which is adapted from video game. And, you know, it has a companion piece podcast. And it oh, feels wow. like this is a this has become a great way to kind of take a deeper dive into the mechanics of the business or the values of something. Yeah. And that's yeah. what it sounds like you're telling me is like, hey, we got to have a way to explain this too, to yeah. people like let's take a deeper dive into your health and wellness, not just the superficial thing that we're yeah, seeing. And and so at we shape, we actually focus on four things and our product is only one of those pillars. So the first pillar is intention. Like when people come in, I ask them, do not use my product to change how you look, go deeper than that. Like, what do you, what is the feeling that you hope to evoke by using this product? Um, the second thing is movement. I'm trying to get people away from exercise. Like this idea that I need to go burn a bunch of calories and do all this stuff. Great. Maybe, but I want you to learn how to move better in your body because um, doing that marathon may not be sustainable at 75 years old. And I'm not, no, no, I'm not opposed to the marathons, but I, am, I really want to preach functional movement patterns because it's the only form of sustainable exercise long-term. 
And then, and then it's really not a problem. People don't think about that as a problem until it is a problem, until they get an injury, until we start, you know, our bodies are going to age. That's part of the human experience in the process. Um, so movement is key for us. And then three, community. I can't go against the grain of the health and fitness industry against the cultural expectations and all the societal projections and not have a group of people who are doing that together. Otherwise, you're going to feel alone. You're going to give up. And then the fourth thing is beliefs. And that's why I have the podcast. So I try to bring a new guest on every week. And my goal with the podcast is not that we change people's beliefs overnight. It's that we crack the door and we say, I'm curious. I'm curious what beliefs no longer serve me. And so I have a number of psychologists and physical therapists and different people on the podcast just to crack that door of curiosity so that maybe we can unsubscribe to a belief system that no longer serves us. And maybe we can start thinking in a way that now actually serves our, our physical and emotional well-being. No, I think it's great. I mean, it's a lot of it's clarifying language. I mean, if you think about, I mean, even your long-term exercise professional hasn't effectively, hasn't effectively put out there the difference between exercise, physical activity, and movement. Because the public essentially says these are the same thing. Yeah, That's they're what not. they think. They're not. Yeah. They're completely different. But this is a messaging issue, issue and a messenger issue. Well, move, <laughs> you know? Movement isn't as sexy as burn 500 calories <laughs> and get a six. It's just not. So I, I, I recognize that. Yeah. But it's it is the it's the mo more sustainable model long term for sure. Right. And it's int what's interesting and in, in all of my time is like even the the idea the goals of somebody says these are the goals that I want to accomplish. It's often not based in in confronting the reality of the situation. It's not often not even their goal. It's something else that they saw that's not yes. realistic and worthwhile. So it's almost this deprogramming, reeducation, clarifying language of the consumer. It's like, you know, where are you actually entering into this? You yeah. want to exercise, but maybe that's not what you actually want. Exactly. And so it's really and that's why my that's why we got to start with the intention. And that's why right. it's pillar one, because if if you're doing something because of an external factor, it's going to be short term. We have to shift that intention to something that's going to be driven from within. And, and that isn't always an overnight process, right? And furthermore, just to speak to the business aspect of it, I think it's less, I don't have the exact statistic, but I think it's less than half of Americans who participate and like want to do an exercise program. And so I, I do laugh when investors are like, well, it's a saturated market. I'm like, but <laughs> but I'm actually not trying to get that market. Those people <laughs> will come around when they want to come around. I'm actually trying to get the 50% who don't want to exercise. And I want to know why. And I want to help them. That's what I want to do is like, I, and I have suspicion that it's because everything out there is so rooted in this aesthetic and is so rooted in maximum calorie output and maximum reps and who can do it the fastest and who can be the best that of course that someone doesn't want to do that. That makes perfect sense to me. So if I can offer a platform of acceptance and we meet you where you are and whatever you can do is great, I think I can actually tap into a different market. <laughs> but it's just, you know, from a business perspective, it's convincing the people who want to invest in my company of that narrative. But I'm actually, that's those are the people that I really want to connect with. I think we're seeing that uh, big time because we're really catering to the 70, 80, sorry, the 20% of people who are like constantly fit, Honestly, like that look like me or 
that you stereotypically, hey, they don't have any issue with this. They're just going after it pretty regularly. But you think as a business, you're missing out on a gigantic population of people on yeah. a regular basis, which is insane. You would think, you know, in terms of monetary gains, you say, oh, there's a big untapped population here. But that seems to like never be the case when it comes yeah. to it. Yeah, I I just want people to know that like you don't, I, I, I say this all the time. And so if people have ever listened to me, they're like, okay, we, you've said that a million times, Katie, but it blows my mind that as a society, we've decided on one body type as the goal. And there's over 8 billion people in the world. It's like most of the fitness companies are trying to market to that body type. And then anyone who feels that they're so far away from that, they're never going to attempt it. Yeah. But the truth is, is that there's not one body type. That's not how it works. And so I'm like, let's just call that out and like speak, speak from a place of truth and like stop. And I just, I just have a belief and maybe this is too woohoo. And maybe this is why the investors keep declining me, but <laughs> well, not all of them haven't. Some of them have, um, is that I just have a belief that like, that you don't, you can tell the truth and you can, exp you can act from a place that I'm trying to act from and still be successful. I think both can, I think both can exist in this world. So um, I know that it's probably not mainstream. And I know that people are like, oh gosh, I can't believe you're trying to sell a fitness product in that way. It's like, I am. <laughs> yeah. And so far the people who have, I have about 3000 members in our community so far, and they're like, thank you. So I'm going to keep doing it regardless of the messages that I'm receiving. But I really hope that we can bring some awareness because I used to live in that camp of like, I have to eat perfectly. I have to, there is one body type I should be achieving and it consumed my life. Yeah. And when I was able to stop saying, is this really serving you to be neurotic about that or to, to aim for this goal? Like you're missing out on the rest of the, the life that you could <laughs> be having because you're so focused on that. You yeah. just don't think about thoughts as being time consuming, right? You think about what's yeah. on your actual schedule. There's a currency to thoughts for sure. Yeah. And so once I started going, and then also here's, and here's the thing that I think gets people, um, especially because, yeah, here, here's the thing that I think really gets people is especially people who are in the fitness industry, because my business, my husband and my business partner, he does have the six pack, right? So these conversations early on were really interesting, but I, I finally said, I wonder if, we're having a hard time getting alignment. Luckily we have it now, but I'm wondering if we're having a hard time getting alignment because you have decided on what health looks like. And for you to change that narrative means that you have to stop projecting judgment on other for, for what the choice that they're making, right? And I know that because I did it myself. I used to believe if people didn't follow these specific things and they weren't healthy, and that was a very limiting belief system. And it was full of judgment. And it wasn't until I worked through my own shame and my projection of other and self that I was able to break free and then have a more expansive perspective on human beings and what health and wellness really is. And so we've had a lot of these discussions, right? It's like sometimes in order to, to, to shift our belief system, we actually have to acknowledge a little bit of the shame that comes up inside because when we have a belief system about what we should be doing, we actually project that belief system with judgment on other most of the time. Sure. Sure. Yeah, most definitely. You know, what's interesting is um, there's still very, I wanted to talk about this, a big prevalence of kind of weight loss entry into uh, exercise, physical activity, movement. 
How has that played out that you've seen in this whole process? The people, do you feel like it's still such a large kind of deprogramming or conversation piece about how weight loss actually fits into someone's plan or doesn't? Oh, it's so complicated. Um, and yes, it's a huge deprogramming. Like when I have, we have these community calls that we do every week and a lot of times weight still comes up. Of course. And I don't want to, um, and I'll give you this great example. So I have this woman, she comes to so many of the calls. I love her. And she was like, well, I just want to lose the weight so that my body can do this thing. And I said, let's unpack that. Do you believe that you can't achieve that physical goal at the current weight that you're at? I, I question that belief, right? We have beliefs that only certain body types can do certain things. And I want to question that, right? So what I'm trying to say is like, I'm not, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and be like, whatever, we're just throwing all this stuff away. Like at first, when I started doing this, I was like, we shouldn't even sell an exercise product. And then I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, hey, it's, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's still okay that we still want to preach movement. It's a really important thing in our in our lives as, as, as humans. So I, I was able to calibrate a little bit. But what I want it to be is more of like, not the initial reason why we do it. Because I think that that's where we kind of go down the wrong path. I think it's, I think it's the intention. And I think that when you start to move better and you start to care for yourself in a different way, weight loss, weight loss might be a byproduct of that, but I don't believe it should be the reason why we start to do it. I think you hit the nail on the head and it's a consistent theme is the intention is always the first thing I talk with people. Let's get down to the, the intention, the why here. And if it's about weight loss, we're already off to a very difficult proposition here. We yeah. have, and it becomes a lot of discussion at this yeah. point of like, let's re-educate you about what this actually means for you. And I and here's the thing. I think that when we have a specific goal in mind, specifically when it's physical, right? Because it's so easy to track that. Right. You've got every device and everything. How many calories? How far did you walk? How'd you do this? I kind of am a believer in don't worry so much about that right now. Don't worry. Everyone wants the plan. They That was the thing. It's like, they want me to subscribe them the plan. Of course. I think if we can start with an intention of, I'd like to show up for myself in a different way than I have before. I'd like to learn how to connect with my body and listen to my body more. I'd like to cultivate a feeling that perpetuates energy and better sleep and um, communion with others. Like if we can start just by like, putting that intention out there, I, I kind of am a believer that things just kind of unfold as they should, right? Like we don't actually have to necessarily follow one, two, three, four, five. Starting with that intention, it's funny because like I said, I, I really didn't start liking movement until about three years ago, but my relationship with movement shifted, but it wasn't because I followed a prescription. I, I, did, I didn't like follow this like super plan that got me to, to have a, a love for movement. It was that it just started with an intention. And then I just kept holding that intention and I kept waiting for opportunities for me to act on that intention. And they just sort of presented themselves. So I never underestimate the power of that intention. It can, it just opens the doors that need to be opened. Most definitely. So let's, you talked about, let's, let's not go too far, throw the baby out with the bathwater. What are some things maybe that are hurting us in this effort that maybe that is happening where it's like, you know what, this is bad. Let's just throw this all out and let's change this whole thing. Cause I think there's some of that 
where it's like, this is bad. Now we just need to go way too far off in this extreme uh, aspect. Have you seen any of that? And you're like, well, this is maybe a little too much for what we're trying to do. I mean, anytime that we're trying to change how we're showing up in the world or we change perspectives, I have noticed that there is this kind of swing and then it's calibration and then it's swing. And then it's like, anytime you get introduced to something new, you're all in, right? And so I, I think that just allowing that process a little bit is sometimes what needs to happen. So I'll give you a really good example. So I used to be really like meticulous with my nutrition. I didn't eat gluten. I had all these rules, right? I had to do intermittent fasting. I had to only eat paleo. I, had, I just had all these rules. And it wasn't until I realized that the energy that I was using to hold those rules was actually causing me more stress than just not having the rules. And so I said, F these rules, like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. But then my body actually felt really bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, okay, you need to calibrate. And a lot of intuitive eating coaches talk about this, like you can kind of swing one way and then swing. And, and so I then realized that it wasn't about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It was about saying you have too many rules and let's show up in a different way and have a little bit more curiosity if we invited other foods in or we didn't follow something. So could you find that calibration? And I did. And I don't really have any rules for food anymore. And part of that is taking the label and the judgment out of it too, right? Because when we're in the diet, we label things good or bad. Right. And then when we partake in the bad, then we have judgment. And then when we're out of that, it's like the opposite happens when we unsubscribe to it. And so both of those scenarios are bathed in self-criticism and judgment and good and bad. So what I have found is that sometimes you have to go through that process to find the calibration, but you know you're in a good zone because you'll feel it. You'll be like, oh, that judgment has seems to have left. Oh, I don't feel like that. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. That's a different energy than like, oh, I really want that but I actually feel really, my stomach's really hurting right now. So I probably should pass. Like it's just a different energy. And I just think trusting that process and, and learning how to um, know that like the judgment isn't serving us in either scenario, in the rule scenario or in the effort scenario are, are, are really important factors to be thinking about. Most definitely. Well, it's a lot of this morality-based eating that we're, we're assigning morality to food. And, yeah. you know, then people think of like the, the concept of a cheat day. I remember when I first heard this, I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I was like, the definition of the connotation of that is you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> like, so you've already created this preconceived notion that you're being bad, you know, today. And like, I mean, what is it going to be like if you were like, this is bad and I'm eating it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to serve you, right? No. We we always, in, I, I notice this so much in the fitness space. We take the food and the exercise and we detach it from the energetic component of the emotional well-being. Your body is responding to those thoughts and to those feelings. And, in, and if you can't separate the two, you just cannot. It's worse to just like, it's better to just eat something that everyone else is telling you bad, but you feel good about it than to, you know, label it and eat it. It's like, we have to, we have to start marrying the, the social, energetic, emotional piece to the physical piece. They all are one, they're together. Most definitely. Super important. Let's, let's get deeper into this labeling 
aspect of things. So um, as of recent, I think there's some more movements in different directions, things like health at every size and all those things. And again, whenever I hear something, I try to have a very open-minded but critical lens about it. And some, and now what sometimes I think there's a, a critical nature to the medical condition of something, of health for that. And so that someone may, let's say, be larger and say, well, let's not say that they're, that they're large and that they may be predisposed to chronic health conditions. Let's just accept that for that. Let's just suspend their, let's just have disbelief that chronic conditions occur from this like that. Or that the other thing is, oh, someone's really thin and they must be healthy type of mm -hmm. thing. They're healthy. Can you talk a little about what you've seen with that and kind of what your feelings are related to that? Oh, man, you're asking me some good questions today. So <laughs> That's what we first, do. Yeah. So first of all, I'll just say that I was waiting to start WeShape until I had all of this figured out. Mm. And then I told myself, you're not going to be able to start this company until the end of your life. So you're going to you're going to have to do a little bit of just go anyway. Right. So um, I, I'm still really trying to be open and deconstruct some of these beliefs myself, because here is the one thing about science that is really disheartening for me, because I love science and I love data. Mm -hmm. And I want to you you do the research and the study and you give me the thing that I'm supposed to do so that I can get the most optimal outcome. But the thing about science is that it's always changing. And so <laughs> sometimes I have to remind myself of that, right? So like what, what we once knew was contributing to this in 10 years might be a different story. Now, it doesn't mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater and don't acknowledge that research, but we still have to just not close the door all the way and say maybe. And I just have a lot of curiosity around how much the emotional weight of all of the projections and judgment and belief systems that are put upon somebody actually has kind of like a influence on, on their overall health and how we're, we're looking at that. So um, I don't know if I'm really answering your question. Okay. <laughs> but I'm still really dissecting a lot of this stuff myself, but I think one of the things that I can conclude is that it's really difficult for people to take research and then just immediately apply it to the masses, yeah. right? Like there's so much individuality that comes with health. And so sometimes I try to remind myself that as the owner of this company and in, and in the efforts that I'm trying to do to get people to move their body, part of it is none of my business around um, what people are trying to do with their health. Like sometimes it's just not my business. And my only goal with We Shape is to get people to learn how to connect with themselves, to connect with our community, and to move their bodies so that they feel good. And all of the other details might be between them and their doctor. And I also encourage people in our community, if you're seeing somebody who is a physician, who makes you feel bad about yourself, or who shames you into behaviors, or who makes you feel really small, you need to find a different practitioner. Right. So um, it, there's so much individuality that I feel like it would be hard for me to comment on the generalization around, well, I think obesity is this. And so therefore everything should be this. Right. It's, it's so complicated. Let's extend this even further related to science and information. I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard of chat GPT. And I actually have not. No. 
All right, this is very sophisticated AI programming. There's been different versions of it, but essentially, you know, you've, it is human modeling uh, for behavior. It was past like AI, it's pretty narrow. You feed it something, it spits oh, out. I have, okay. Yes, it's I like have. Like your heard Alexa of it. is very narrow. Um, yes, I have heard of this. Right? Okay. So in ChatGPT, because it's being fed human based modeling, it's very sophisticated. So you could say right into ChatGPT, um, Katie and Darian had a talk about fitness, and then it would just write a complete article about yes. a nuanced thing about it. This, the interesting thing, which I think clients and consumers are going to be facing, is that you may have uh, bad characters running fitness companies who can now speak into chat GPT false information that looks like real research for that. How do we combat that? This is the stuff, man. I know. I mean, listen. The only person that knows you best is you. And we have given a lot of that power away. And I think that we need to acknowledge the benefits of science and advancement in technology. But the only thing that will supersede that is your connection with self and what you know to be true about you. So I always think about these two dials internally. This is my vision in my mind when I think about this, my internal dial and the external dial. And if the external dial is tuned up too high, you're going to be in trouble. You have to find balance in those dials because like, I'm going to give you a really good example of this. I, when I got pregnant with my second daughter, it was a nice surprise, but it was a surprise. And I went to my doctor and I said, I am pregnant. And he said, okay, well, let me run a blood test. He goes, you are not pregnant. I said, no, I know I'm pregnant. He goes, I'm looking at the data. You're not. A week goes by. I'm pregnant, <laughs> right? He calls me up. He's the nicest guy. This is how you know you're working with the right doctor. He said, I will never question your intuition again. You were right. You are pregnant. And I know that's like a silly little example, but like my dial inside was like, you are pregnant. <laughs> and the blood test was like, no, you're not. And so my point is, is that we have to figure out a way to stay connected with that internal dial. Now, it doesn't mean turn off the external one. There's good information out there, but it's about making sure that that internal one is also turned up. You know, I feel like you've, <laughs> I feel like you've definitely know how to answer certain things. <laughs> you're very good at swerving and still answering giving okay, a good okay. answer that's good because that's i've never asked anybody that question about the chat gpt you're the first i will be asking more people about this um but that's interesting i think the way you answered it really had a lot of weight because there's going to be more chat gpts and more things and more external things and the reality is you just have to look inward and like how does this make me feel in, in the end versus this is misinformation type of thing. But people aren't, the problem is people aren't checking their own internal uh, feel gauge about we, it. They're most just of not us doing are not it. raised in an environment that tells us to check in with self. Yes. Most of us are raised in an environment that says, I'm the adult, I'm the authority figure, and I know better than you. And so we grow up with that narrative and we act from that narrative. And when people ask me, what's my number one goal as a parent of two small children? My goal is not for them to be happy. Life isn't always happy. My goal for them is to have deep enough connection with self that they can navigate this crazy, messy, layered world. It That's it. 
that I don't always know, right? And so think about human beings if we were all raised in an environment that said, what do you think? What is what does your internal voice tell you? Where do you what do you think? It would be a very different outcome. We wouldn't really probably be having this conversation. Be like, look at this cool new technology, right? It, it it's like it's that we become so detached from that inner self that we just start believing anything that comes at us, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had a belief that if I ate gluten, my world was going to end. I was going to be riddled with disease, and maybe in some cases for a celiac patient. True. I mean, I don't know, but that, again, I was trying to clump myself into everyone else's experience. But when I really checked in with myself, I said, what's worse, Katie, the neuroses and the stress that you're putting around this food or the fact that you're eating it. And I was like, I'm just going to eat the damn muffin. Like it just, it. it just got to a point where like <laughs> for me, but that not, might not be the case for somebody else. So that's why I'm saying like, it gets really hard when we're talking about generalizations, right? Because yeah. then people Again, they turn that external dial up and then they just believe everything that comes in. It's okay to question things. It's okay to have an opinion that's not of popular opinion. It's okay to switch doctors. It's okay to listen to your intuition. That's okay. It's totally okay. And in fact, questioning, I think, is a fundamental aspect of being human that we have tried to deaden so yeah. much. And just because you question something doesn't mean you still can't believe in the thing you're questioning for that. You're just asking for explanations, some a deeper understanding. And you know, it. you know how you know that? You know how you know it's your clue to be more curious is when you're triggered in a belief system. So I was listening to this book and they had recommended this book, this other book that was called um, Food is Not Medicine. Well, I spent the last 20 years proving my hypothesis that food was medicine. And I was triggered when that came up. And I said, uh-oh, there's your clue. Go add yeah. that book to your Amazon cart. You need to buy that book because your mind is closed to that belief system. And I know because it's evoking a reaction in you, yeah. right? That's like our first sign. If if someone tells you a belief system that's contradicting to what you believe and there's, there's a feeling that comes up, ooh, that means you're not curious enough. Most Gotta evaluate that. I will say I have not read the book yet, but I do have it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, let me open this. I'm not book. there yet. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not ready to be at this. Yeah. <laughs> I did buy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's actually critical to ask questions and you get closer to what you actually feel about yeah. something. I wanted to turn real quick on to something else of how you think this kind of external dial has been particularly devastating for women in particular. Oh, how long is your podcast? Okay, listen, we're here. We're here, you know. <laughs> Oh man, that, you know, when I first started having, I have two children and I always had had this belief that when I have kids, that I'm going to have boys. I don't know why I just always thought that. And then the universe gave me two girls and I went, oh shit. Sorry. There's a really, <laughs> no, you can say there. whatever. Man. Okay. Um, and I went, oh no, like I have to learn something through this. And what I have learned so far is that, um, especially for people who identify as female, um, we are really taught that we don't know. I mean, that we can't listen. And it's like, we've put so much emphasis on the data and the science and the this, but remember, we've already discovered that the science will always change. But in that particular moment, that's the truth. And we've really taken away this amazing gift of intuition and wisdom and knowledge 
that that a lot of that all women and all people really have. And so um, I it oh man, it's really hard. Like I, I notice my friends and I do this with each other. Are like this is okay, right? This is okay, right? This is okay, right? And I never see my partner do that. He's like, this is my decision. This is my perspective. And I'm like, oh man. That is so nice that you grew up in a space where like the doors were just open for you because, um, and he, he actually is so, he has a lot of recognition in, in his privilege. I will say that he does say like, I, I, sometimes he will actually come to me and say, man, at that business event, I noticed that person really like wouldn't even make eye contact with you. Or like, they only talk to me. Like I even had a, an old friend come over recently and I hadn't seen her in a long time. And she came over and she knows that he and I run the business. She didn't ask me one question about my business. She went straight up to him. How's your business? How's your business? So he sees it. And I feel like I have a tremendous ally that he can acknowledge the privilege that he has. Um, but man, it is it is a constant process of reminding myself, you grew up in a culture and in an environment that made you feel like you weren't good at math. You uh, don't know the right answer. You have to seek outside of yourself for validation. And I think that uh, sometimes I just have to remind myself that even though it's uncomfortable for me to lean into those things because the environment around me told me not to, the only way I'm going to get more comfortable is to do it and sit with the anxiety that comes with it, right? Most so definitely. I think it's, I think it's d deeply impacted a lot of women. And um, I just want to encourage any of your female listeners that you have, you have, unlimited potential and power inside despite what those external forces are saying to you i mean even think about it like not that long ago women were being told that you should not strength train that like these limit these beliefs are still they're still out there pretty prevalent getting better but think about it, that wasn't that long ago i mean that was really just pretty recent stuff and so you're overcoming all of these limiting beliefs these crazy things that people make up about certain genders or whatever related to it. And, and the fitness business in itself is a really, uh, it's in its infancy still. I mean, it's really, it's like the beginning of something. And I think we, we often think, oh, it's been around a while. It really hasn't. And a lot of these beliefs and ideas, we're still subscribing to them and we're starting to lift our head up and come out of it <laughs> a little bit like, really? Is that okay? No, that's not okay. You know? Well, one of the most liberating things that happened to me is when I stopped worrying about all the food I was eating and I stopped yeah. trying to be this thing that everybody wanted. I had a lot more time in my mind mm. to do other things, right? And so there's a lot of systems that keep women small and the fitness industry is a big one. And so just acknowledging that the, the good news is, is like, you know, if we can collectively come together and acknowledge that and say, we're actually not going to participate in that, that narrative anymore. That's where I feel like real change can start to happen because I just feel so liberated with even my thought time. Like I have so much yeah. more, other, so many other things to be worried about than the food that I'm eating and how many calories did I burn and how many steps did I take? I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't want to spend my energy on that. There's a lot of other important things that I think are, are more valuable for me. You know what's interesting? Sometimes when I have these conversations, I think, well, I mean, I wonder what this person thinks the future of this industry is. But I feel like I already know your answer. There's <laughs> 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 a turn back into yourself and listen to yourself and what's the intention for that. And I think it's just a great answer because 
it's the answer. It's, and, and this is hard for all humans, no matter what, no matter what you've been through, is looking back at this stuff. I'm like, is this good for me? How do mm -hmm. I feel about this? How does this make me feel? You know, mm -hmm. and I think you'll always have a great answer if you look inward versus what's the next thing out there. You know, there's no technology that's going to be developed or science that's going to come out that's going to supersede that power. And so I think we have to be have gratitude and awareness for the the benefits and also the challenges that come with those advancements. But we always have to know that that internal voice and that that is the most powerful thing. And I don't know that technology or science will ever really catch up to that. I don't think they will. Well, I think it's, you know, what's interesting in, in my business for two decades, <clears throat> I've never sold exercise or physical activity or even movement. I've sold companionship. I know that sounds weird to some people. It like, I'm like, it's no, I said, but this is what people actually want. Actually, they just don't know that they want that. They want accountability, companionship, connection, something, a real conversation with the person. And that has always served me incredibly well. My business has been awesome from the beginning because of that approach. Never been like, hey, we're going to make you look this way. I'm like, no. I'm like, but think about that. And that's why I say we have to evaluate the intention because when you say, because what, what's, what will happen is like people will, like I, everyone will probably agree with you when you say that, right? Right. Go, okay. Well, what system am I subscribing to? And is that in alignment with that? Right. And when you subscribe to the cover of a magazine body, I'm going to guess you're not really in line with that because mm -hmm. When you think about the things that come with trying to achieve that one body type that, let's be real, was made up as the standard. It was made up. It was made up. What does that create? Criticism, judgment, competition. I did more reps than you. I was faster than you. That does not create connection and communion and, and community, right? That creates individuality <laughs> and a, a lot of self-judgment along the way. So that's what I'm saying when I say, Ooh, let's come back to the intention. And if the intention at the heart of it, really, I think anything, when you really just keep asking why, 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 the heart of it will be exactly what you said, companionship, connection, communion, community. And then you have to go, okay, I figured out what it is that I want. Mm -hmm. Now, these other things that I'm participating in, whether it be hanging out with certain people, subscribing to certain social channels, buying certain products. Are those things in alignment with that feeling I'm trying to achieve? And if they're not, it's your clue. I got to figure out a different path. Yeah. I and mean, think about it. There's so much information that you're being inundated with, you know, through re regardless of the channels, YouTube or different social media, Facebook, whatever, Twitter, all this. Is it really what you want to be a part of? Is this an alignment with if you have goals related to your overall health and wellness, are these things are the, the videos you're going down rabbit holes on? Are they actually serving you well or is it not and just to think about that? It's, it's hard and sometimes. It is. And, and here's the thing, though, is, again, it's not it's not throwing it all out either because we we've taken social media and we've done some amazing things with it. We've also gone down some, some dark holes that I don't feel are really helping us, For Sure. but we have the power to decide what path that is shaped through social media, because they're only like the technology companies are only making things that we care about buying. And so if we can, this, this is why it's so fascinating to me because if we can come together collectively as a whole and shift the value system, then what they give us will shift as well. That's true. 
So there are plenty of amazing influencers on social media. I know because I invite them all on my podcast. <laughs> and, and so we can, we have the power to shift the value and to shift the narrative. And when some, if, if a collective whole come together and we don't want that anymore, and they're going to realize they can't make money off that anymore, then what? They're going to develop something new that's in line with our value system. It's because we've decided that we value this, that they make those things for us. Of course, most definitely. <clears throat> this is where podcasting becomes so valuable too, because it's a it's a peek into the psyche of different things and different people. And you get to look underneath the hood and go, oh, okay, I didn't know that person thought about that that way. Yeah. And to really yeah. start to really dial in, like I want some I want to listen to things that align with my philosophy about how I feel about myself and things of that nature. That's why they're great companion pieces because you dive deeper. And yeah. people want a deeper dive because you're not giving it to them. You're asking them to make a decision on the projection, this initial projection of something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And um, I'm so grateful to just like be a part of this discussion. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm on my own journey with this. And I did really have to sit with this, this idea for a long time that like, well, I don't have it all figured out myself. So I guess I can't do this. And I'm like, well, I'm the human yeah. experience is about learning. So I'm, I'm going to put myself out there anyway, and I'm going to, going to develop this company anyway. And I'm going to at least have an intention and a hope for making some sort of positive impact and shift in the value system. That's really what we're trying to do is like, let's come together. And that's what I said before. It's so funny when you give people permission to not worry about the number on the scale, the amount of relief I see is like so much more valuable than them yeah. losing the 10 or 20 pounds or whatever they want. It's like, I just watch everyone's body settle a little bit more like, thank you. We can focus on something else. Most definitely. Well, listen, Katie. Awesome. I mean, really just well thought out. Like I like people when they really think about how they answer things. You have such, you have such a great spirit of that. So let's give everybody whip it up. Tell them about we shape how they can connect learn, watch, whole deal. Yeah. So we're at weshape.com. We offer a free two-week trial. We have customized, real-time customization, uh, work daily workouts. Um, and then we have a huge community element where we all get together on Zoom. I think right now we're doing like seven Zoom calls a week. Um, so join us uh, on social media. We have two different channels. We have We Shape, which is just focused on movement and helping people get out of pain. And then we have We Shape Wellness, which really deconstructs more of these belief systems and toxic weight loss culture and intentions. So yeah, check us out. We'd be happy to have everyone in the community. Perfect. Katie Bramlett. Thank you so much, Katie. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. So grateful for this experience.